Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Master Builders Victoria. Supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Good afternoon. Welcome to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell is having a well-earned break. He's over in Japan at the moment. Half his luck. If you haven't been to Japan, put it on your bucket list. Magnificent country in every way. Big show uh, coming up. Of course, as always, Midday Madness. It's brought to you by Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Wrong fuel extraction. Search up ship creek.com.au. So we'll take your calls uh, very shortly. Going to cover a wide range of topics today. Of course, the Melbourne Cup yesterday. If you've got any stories about Cup Day, were you there? Your bets, as I said to Jared just before we came on, not a great day in the Destoop household. Picked a quarter of the field. None of them came in the top three. Uh, I can't really blame my wife, Jackie. She only had one bet and that came fourth. Uh, so the other five that I uh, bet on, not so good. So not a great day uh, in the Destoop household uh, when it came uh, to the Melbourne Cup. We're going to talk a bit of footy today, both AFLW uh, and AFL. Of course, as we heard uh, towards the end of Jared's program, Alistair Clarkson, uh, first day on the job at North Melbourne. He spoke uh, to the media as he entered. We'll play that for you a little bit later, but in five minutes or so, we'll speak to Ed Woolley. Uh, from Channel 9, who's been all across uh, this story. He was there. Uh, he was firing questions uh, at Alistair Clarkson. So I'll just get a little snapshot of what the mood was like with Alistair Clarkson. Of course, there's a, the investigation is still going. We've uh, seen the stories in uh, both the papers today that uh, one of the uh, First Nations uh, people that was uh, part of the the story and uh, part of the initial allegations won't take part in the investigation and uh, we might explain that uh, a little bit uh, later on. We'll also speak to delisted Swan, Sam Naismith. Real unlucky. Uh, 2016 grand final player with the Sydney Swans. Had his best year uh, in 2017. Established himself as their number one ruckman but was delisted uh, last week. 29 games in eight seasons. Um, only two games since 2017. Had three uh, knee reconstruction. So he got a great backstory how he got into AFL. He's been doing some wonderful things uh, off the field as well around, uh, you know, men's mental health. And, of course, it's Movember as well. So we'll speak to Sam Naismith. AFLW finals, uh, they're launched today. Uh, plenty of players are speaking down at uh, AFL HQ uh, very, very shortly. The Bulldogs are back in the finals for the first time since they won the premiership. One of their premiership players, uh, Bailey Hunt, will join us just after 1 o'clock. Then after 2 o'clock, uh, plenty of cricket on the menu. Uh, former Australian cricketer, Victorian superstar uh, Bob Quine is going to join us uh, in the studio to talk all things T20 World Cup. And then one of the touring uh, journalists uh, with the England team, he's from the Daily Telegraph, he's written for ESPN, he's written several books on cricket as well. Tim Wigmore will join us after 2.30. Not only to talk about this T20 World Cup and the way the English team is going, and they certainly didn't do us any favours 
uh, last night, uh, the Australians, by beating New Zealand uh, by 20 runs, which is going to make it pretty tough uh, for the Aussies now to make it to the semifinals. But uh, his, his most recent book talks about just where cricket's heading, uh, where 2020 is heading. So I'm interested to get Tim's thoughts on just maybe in four or five years' time where we're going to be with T20 cricket uh, around the world, both at international and sort of franchise uh, level. Also in the first day, I'm going to speak to Daniel Garber. A lot going on. Uh, in the world of football. Some interesting Champions League results overnight. Uh, the Premier League's got a couple of games to go before the break for the World Cup. And the Australian World Cup squad will be named uh, next week. There's some really interesting injuries around some superstars in world football that are now, you know, touch and go uh, to play in the World Cup. We had a, a bit of a concern of our own with Martin Ball, one of the Socceroos strikers, uh, who was injured in Scotland on the weekend. So we'll speak to Daniel Garb uh, about that as well. So, Happy to take your calls throughout the show. one 736 736 As always, it is Midday Madison. Send through uh, your temper texts as well on the 40 Winks uh, temper. 0433-981116. Before we get to Ant Woolley, uh, Andrew from Nidri uh, wants to kick us off for the day. G'day, Andrew. Okay, Julian. Look, I had a better day than you. I had the winner and I had uh, the second and I had the third. So I had the, uh, the trifecta. Did you have it as a trifecta, uh, Andrew? I did have a percentage. I had a percentage. Very good. Well also done. Straight out as well. Oh. I had I have the first uh, three straight out as well each way, but um, but what what happened was that um, the two the, the first and second horse I had ages ago, um, and um, I I, I um, added a couple extra extra pli- uh, extra plays extra extra horses in because I listened to all the noise from outside, all the experts saying, oh. This horse is going to do well. That horse is going to do well. And I got a bit spooked. <laughs> and I added a few uh, few horses by I shouldn't have. So how do we shut these? How do you shut out um, these all the noise? That's my question. That's a very good question, Andrew, because no race uh, in the country has spoken about more than the Melbourne Cup, particularly in the week. It's the hardest race to pick a winner because there's, well, normally 24 horses. 22 horses yesterday, and particularly yesterday because you had no idea what the weather was going to do. Because in the morning it was dry, we were expecting rain. How much rain? Obviously that affects a a whole heap of different horses' chances, whether it's dry or wet. And we saw three horses didn't really um, cope with the ground and struggled to finish the race. So I don't know. Maybe the best thing to do is just pick one expert, whether it's Gareth Hall or Miles Fitzner or Wayne Hawks or someone that you like in the Herald Sun, and maybe just follow their tips. That, that might be the best way to do it because you're right. You can be absolutely bombarded with advice and expert tips, and it makes you second, third, fourth, fifth uh, guess yourself. But I don't, you don't have to complain, Andrew, because you got the trifecta. So you clearly did a pretty good job at uh, blocking out the noise. Uh, thanks for your call. Any more stories about your cup day, good or bad, uh, give us a call, one 736 736 But as we mentioned uh, off the top, Alistair Clarkson has reported for duty at Arden Street. Uh, a couple of months ago when he was announced as the coach, this would have been a just a, a day of celebration uh, for North Melbourne fans and for Alistair Clarkson, you know, going back to the club that gave him his start, being their coach, hitting the ground running. But... As we know, subsequently, this investigation into what happened at Hawthorne, uh, some allegations from some First Nation families has really thrown a, a dark cloud over the whole uh, Alistair Clarkson returning. But, of course, while the investigation is going on, he, he's, he's entitled, like Chris Fagan, uh, to resume his job. And he did that today. And Ant Woolley was uh, part of the media pack uh, that was down there at Arden Street. And he's been good enough to join us this afternoon. Uh, Ant, thanks for your time. 
Good afternoon, Julian. You've been following uh, Clarko around a little bit. You've seen him at the airport. You've seen him at Arden Street today. Uh, what, what, what was his sort of mood like as uh, he began life as North Melbourne coach? Yeah, I mean, I was interested in the way you put it there. I mean, it normally would have been a day of celebration for North Melbourne. And you know, these North Melbourne fans are here. They say, can't we have these nice things? You know, it was meant to be uh, this homecoming of sorts of a, a great footy figure. And speaking to those close to Alistair Clarkson, I, I know he's been wounded by these allegations because even if he is, I guess, you know, he's get, he gets off at the end of the year, there's still going to be a hit to his reputation no matter what. And I think he, I think he feels that. And I think it's, it's been weighing on these people, just like it's been weighing on the families, the First Nations families involved at Hawthorne. So um, we got an insight today into, I guess, I think how he's going to, you know, play that defence in terms of the investigation, what he said. He, he certainly didn't dismiss, you know, any of the allegations, but he said he remembers them a, a different way. He's going to just, uh, defend himself strongly, um, so it'd be, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out from here. But for the moment, he's, he's trying to remain as cool as he can under fire. Just, we'll play the audio later for our audience, that those that haven't heard it. But we played about a, a two-minute, or Jared Waitley played about a two-minute slab before. Just take us through the last part that, that we heard was about, he was really strong on the fact that, you know, Hawthorne had a strong, you know, there's been some clubs in the last 20 years that had strong cultures and therefore been successful. Just take us through what he, what he had to say about that in terms of, how he's confident that uh, all the allegations that have been levelled at him, he will be cleared of. Yeah, I mean, I guess he, he believes um, that they couldn't have functioned as they did as a football club if there were these horrific things going on. You know, I mentioned there have been three or four strong clubs over the years and they've been built on strong cultures. He said player care has, has been a, a high priority um, in that time. And, you know, without that care for the players, the players aren't going to respond to the coaches now. Obviously, that can and can differ from player to player for any number of reasons. Um, but he believes that they would not have functioned as they did uh, if these allegations were to be true. But I mean, there was one statement that, that sort of stood out to me, and it was very surprised if we couldn't put forward a strong case that these allegations were reported in a different way to how we saw them. So that maybe suggests that you know his point at the time. Um, he was coming through a different lens to um, to others um, that were involved with the Hawthorne Footy Club. Yeah, it's interesting, as we said today, to this story uh, in The Age that... Uh, I'll just read from the, the headline. An Indigenous woman who alleges the Hawthorne Football Club subjected her to appalling mistreatment won't take part uh, in the unsafe uh, ele- AFL investigation. The article goes on to list several reasons uh, why she, she's been uh, called Amy uh, as part of the story, but that's not her real name, uh, as to why she doesn't want to want to do that. And I believe in your story tonight, have the lawyers for for, for some of these First Nation people uh, making the allegations also speaking today? Yeah, we'll be speaking with them shortly. And to get some more detail around why they, they don't want to take part in the, in the investigation, I mean, it was a lengthy statement today, you know, a level of distrust with the AFL, the fact that the investigation is being uh, rushed in their minds, <laughs> excuse me, they believe that it's not enough time to do it in a culturally safe and, and sensitive way. Uh, and there's also a frustration too that the, the, the fact that when they first told their story as part of the Hawthorne's um, internal report, uh, that that is not being taken, their words not being taken, they're now having to re-establish some of the facts that they thought they'd already given. So, um, I mean, I guess from the outside, it's 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 really hard to know um, how each party is feeling. Disappointing that it, 
that it might not be part of the AFL investigation now, but um, difficult to put yourself in their shoes as well. 100%. Before we let you go, Ed, what, what did he actually, once he spoke to the media pack, what, what did he actually do down there, Alistair Clarkson, given, I guess, players aren't officially back uh, to pre-season training yet? Yeah, so, I mean, there, there was a number of players in today. Um, I think more admin work for Alistair Clarkson in the next few weeks. And the players are at probably 10 to 15 players out on the track among them, you know, Taron Thomas and names like that. But he, he won't take sessions with them because they're they're effectively on leave. So there'll be a lot of planning for him. I'm sure he'll continue to have a role in their, um, in the draft as he did um, from afar in terms of their trade period. Uh, and then on November 21 is when he'll take his first official session as coach. And as we know, the investigation goes into December. That's why they want to be getting back through the doors now. Well, Ed, uh, thanks for your time. And uh, we look forward to seeing your story on Nine News tonight. Uh, thanks for your time, Ed. Thanks, Jules. Great to chat to Ed Mooley from Channel 9. And uh, just so I was speaking to Ed, just looking on Twitter there, a bit of news out of the Bombers uh, from Cal Toomey. Uh, so uh, reading from his tweet, Essendon has filled its two newly created positions, ex-North Melbourne football boss, and before that uh, at Melbourne and uh, Sydney grand final player in 1996, Daniel McPherson has been appointed the Bombers' head of performance, while assistant coach Cam Roberts has been elevated to the Bombers' head of development. So that was two positions that were identified in the review that uh, I guess needed to be created and therefore uh, needed to be filled. So slowly the Bombers are getting uh, their pieces together and and Brad Scott's coaching team is coming together. I guess the next step now uh, is the CEO. Just off the back of uh, Alistair Clarkson too, uh, you know, not starting today, and as Ayrton said, he's not officially uh, working with the players, but we we will see this week some uh, some players uh, back at training, particularly the younger players. So just a, a question for the fans uh, out there, and give us a call on the open line uh, for Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, Werribee Kia. Where else? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So at your club, in terms of the fitness boss, which player do you want to see them working with closely or the closest this preseason, it could be a young player you think needs to bulk up. It could be a player you think might need to lose a few kilos potentially to get fitter or to play a, a different role. Is there one player you think your club just needs a massive preseason to get fit, to get the best out of? And we've seen it in the past. We saw it a couple of years ago with Christian Petrarca, who completely changed his body shape, and we've seen what he's gone on uh, to do from there. So if there's a player at your club that uh, rings true, give us a call. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's midday madness for Melbourne Roadside uh, Rescue. You're listening to Afternoons uh, with Julian Stoop. All thanks to Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile. Also for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. And also Master Builders Association of Victoria. Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Of course, it's Midday Madness brought to you by Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Wrong fuel extraction certs up shit 
shipcreek.com.au. You've got to get that one right, shipcreek.com.au. Daniel Garb, not too far away to talk. The world of footy. We had the Melbourne Cup yesterday. It's the 2nd of November, but the phones have lit up as soon as you talk about footy and we talk about pre-seasons and which play you really need to have a big season and the fitness boss uh, needs to be riding uh, really hard. Plenty of calls are on the open line. You can join in one 736 736 uh, Plenty of suggestions coming through as well off the 40 Winks uh, temper as well. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. We'll read through some of those shortly, but let's get to the phones. Uh, Richard uh, from Cows has just dropped off as I was going to throw to him. Uh, so let's go to John on the road. G'day, John. Yeah, thanks, Jules. Um, yeah, I've got two players. Yep. I'm a Collingwood supporter. Mm-hmm. And I'd like uh, to see Paul McCreary. Uh, Bob McCreary I, I reckon he's got some weapons. And if he gets his fitness up and he can do what he normally does for more than one or two quarters, he'd be really something. And the other one is actually Isaac Quainor. Even though he's already very solid, very strong, he's a beautiful user of the ball. I'd like to see his fitness up and for him to come up the ground and just, um, yeah, I just love him kicking the ball. He hardly wastes uh, possession. So, um, yeah, those two players, I reckon if they get their fitness up, it'll make a bit of a difference to the team. Yeah, good call, John. I don't know about you, but Bo McCreary is a far better player than I thought he was. You know, watching him early in his career, I thought, is, is this a real good competitor? You know, he puts the defensive pressure on. He's tough. He's hard. But watching him towards the end of the year, I'm not sure what you thought, John, but he's a very, very good finisher as well. So what he can actually do with the footy, is actually almost as impressive as what he does without it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I just, um, he's a low possession player, but he's got the weapons. He's, he's actually a beautiful kicker to footy. He's very strong and he's a good kick for goal. So he's got some weapons. He's just got to get fit. Beautiful. Good start, uh, Johnny. So Isaac Quainer and Bo McCreary for John, uh, who is a Collingwood fan, of course. Let's go to Dean in Elwood, who's got a, a nomination for us. G'day, Dean. Yeah, g'day, Julian. Um, big Carlton fan. Um, Paddy Dow's the first one. Body, body shape hasn't changed in five or six years. Just has to discover the, the weight room. Break a tackle, stick a tackle. And Jack Martin's got to get a tank. I mean, he, he was small forward, crying out for, but to also to run through the middle and, and do, he could be anything as well. But those two, you know, there's probably a couple of others, but those two are front of mind at the moment. Yeah, interesting call, Dean. It's uh, Paddy Dow's name is coming through uh, really strongly on the temper text. Uh, plenty of Blues fans are uh, getting involved. So we've had Paddy Dow, we've had uh, Lockie O'Brien needs to bulk up, uh, Mitch McGovern, uh, and also Zach Williams. I think Zach Williams is the one at Carlton. He needs to come back super fit. I know he's had his injuries, and, and last year was nothing to do with, with fitness, the, the Achilles injury he's had. But it, since he's been at Carlton, he hasn't looked super fit. And given the importance he has to the team, and I know it's shouldn't be everything, but he is on big money and a long-term contract. He's the one, if I was a Carlton supporter and I rock up at uh, Icon Park this summer, he's the one that I want to see 100% uh, fully fit. Let's go to David in Keel or Downs. Go, Dave. Julian, how are you going? Good, thank you, mate. I've got the perfect candidate for this. Um, I'm a Collingwood man as well, and I thought the other caller was going to storm with thunder. But uh, this is a guy that came across to us in the mid-season draft. Um he made an impact as a sub this season. Uh, a guy called Josh Carmichael. Yep. I feel like uh, with an with an AFL preseason under his belt, mate, he could get a a regular gig in the midfield and uh, really make an impact along alongside you know Dugowie, Adams, and Mitchell. 
Yeah, good call. He certainly made an impact a couple of times uh, against my Bombers. He came on as the sub and kicked a couple uh, in the last quarter in that game that uh, Jamie Elliott uh, kicked the goal after the siren. So, yeah, plenty of nominations there for the Pies. So, Bo McCreary, Isaac Quainer, and also young Josh Carmichael. Let's get to Brendan in Melton. G'day, Brendan. Hey, Jules. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. So, at Melbourne, we've got a young bloke who hasn't actually played a game yet that I'm sort of keen to see how he goes. Uh, Bailey Laurie's his name. Um, I watched him play a few games there at Casey this year, and he's got an okay tank, but I think he's, he's right for the picking to play that wing position that uh, we've vacated with Brayshaw going back into the midfield, and Lockie Hunter's come in to play a similar role, but he, he won't be around for you know, any more than maybe two or three years, so... If they can get the tank in the Bailey Laurie, get him running up near the wings outside of Ed Langdon, I think there's uh, a good future for him out of Melbourne. So. Yeah, interesting one. Uh, one a little bit uh, different uh, Brendan's bringing to the table. Uh, great call, Brendan. Uh, a mystery craft beer bundle uh, is coming your way. Uh, let's go to Tom in Greensboro before we check in uh, in the newsroom. G'day, Tom. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, so uh, two that I've got is from two different clubs. So, Naki a cockatoo, extra long boy. Um, he just, he's been, oh, when I've watched him, he could be anything. Like, he, he could be the best player in the competition. He does things that no other player can do, but he's just never been able to stay fit and never be able to get a tank. I reckon he'll be rookie by Brisbane, and I think he needs a huge tank, uh, a huge preseason. And then from Geelong, I think uh, Jack Bowes has uh, been brought in. He's going to be given his opportunity. Uh, this is uh, his opportunity to make a name for his career, and um, he needs to be absolutely cherry ripe, uh, ready to go round one. Who do you follow, Tom? Geelong. Geelong. Yeah, no, Nakai Cockatoo is a talent. You're 100% right. You, you're spot on. He was delisted, but uh, the Lions have committed to selecting him and also uh, veteran defender uh, Ryan Lester in the uh, rookie draft. You, you, I remember. Was it his first preseason game for Geelong? He kicked this goal out of the middle where he just grabbed it, balked, and kicked it from about 55, 60 metres. He thought, wow, this guy is a serious talent, uh, but his body uh, just hasn't been able to let him uh, do it. Uh, good call. Uh, Tom, I hope you're a golfer because uh, 18 holes at Club Mandalay for you and a mate with a cart uh, and a drink uh, is coming your way. Jump on to clubmandalay.com.au midweek. Uh, 99 bucks for two people, a cart and a drink. So great value uh, out there at Club Mandalay. Let's check in with the newsroom. Uh, plenty of uh, suggestions uh, coming off the temper text. Also, uh, some time for m- more of your calls. one 736 736 Oh, Rod's on the music again. So a lot of sort of 90s, maybe early 2000s. Some of that Peter Andre. Wow, that would have been about 1994, I reckon, uh, Rod. Uh, very nice work. Uh, as we mentioned, we're going to speak to Sam Naismith uh, in about an hour's time, delisted uh, Sydney Swans ruckman. And, uh, you know, thoughts with everyone at the Sydney Swans footy club because, you know, characters and volunteers and these sort of people are what make up footy clubs. And, and the most famous one, certainly, at Sydney was Kenny Williams. So we all know Kenny. Uh, you jump in the middle of the song. He used to sit behind the goals there at, uh, well, the left of screen. Uh, if you're watching on the television, if you go back to 94 when Plugger was playing for St Kilda, tried to take his head off uh, when he was playing for the Saints, uh, him and his uh, friends that used to sit behind the goal. Then Plugger went up there and Kenny became a great friend of uh, Plugger's. But uh, sadly, the Swans uh, released the news this morning that uh, Kenny Williams, aged 93, 
uh, has passed away. So just reading from the Swans uh, Twitter account, a man who brought so much cheer to all who knew him. We're incredibly saddened by the passing of Kenny Williams, an amazing man who dedicated his life to the red and white. We send our condolences to Yvonne, Diane, his family and friends during this time, a full tribute to come. So, yeah, there's, there's people like that at every footy club. If you think it, you know, the Western Bulldogs, someone like Irene Chatfield, who along with Peter Gordon, you know, almost single-handedly saved the club. Every club's got them, but certainly the most, um, I guess, high-profile pro- high at the Sydney Swans was uh, Kenny Williams. And we've seen, you know, players like I've seen uh, Jude Bolton and Ted Richards and plenty of other players uh, take to Twitter this morning uh, just uh, expressing their condolences uh, to the family. So, uh, and we certainly do that here at SEN uh, 1116. Uh, just off the temper text, the 40 Wings temper, plenty of suggestions coming through for players that uh, people want to see the fitness boss riding really hard this summer to get them up and firing uh, for 2023. Uh, Big Brian from Bali says Oscar Allen and Campbell Chesser uh, for West Coast both missed the 2022 season. Yep, um, don't think it was a lack of fitness with those two, just some sort of unlucky uh, leg injuries uh, for both throughout the season. Another one here saying, uh, this could be from A-Rod, but it's from Chris, with Mitchell and O'Meara gone. Would love the Hawks fitness team to get James Warple right. Uh, Five extra kilos for Max and Ben King would be great for the Saints. Well, Ben's not there yet, and he has Simon the Gold Coast, so let's not presume that Ben King is going to follow in his brother's footsteps and uh, head to the Saints. Uh, So that's uh, go Saints. Um, and as we said, a lot of Carlton suggestions are coming through. Uh, another one here uh, from the Tigers. If Morris Rioli Jr. could get fit, look out. Yeah, he certainly showed some signs uh, this season. So keep your suggestions coming through. one 736 736 If you want to talk about that, you want to talk about uh, Melbourne Cup Day, the cricket. Uh, do you give the Aussies much hope now of getting through? They're going to have to uh, have a big victory and then hope England don't do the same or Amazingly, maybe Sri Lanka knock off uh, the English, which looks unlikely the way uh, Sri Lanka have uh, played uh, in this tournament. A bit going on in the world of basketball as well, involving, I guess, indirectly uh, Paddy Mills and Ben Simmons. The fact that the Nets, who have started the season uh, really poorly uh, in the NBA, two and five have sacked their coach, uh, Steve Nash. And uh, we'll play some audio a little bit later from Charles Barkley, who was absolutely skating, not on Steve Nash, uh, but the players. And one player he named there was... Uh, ben Simmons, I'm sure, Gazy and also Homicide this afternoon on the run home. We'll have uh, plenty to say about that. But after the break uh, here on Afternoons, we're going to switch our attention to football. Plenty going on. The World Cup, which feels like it's almost sneaking up on people. It's not too far away. Uh, only a couple of games to go in the Premier League, and then all the leagues around the world will stop. Uh, the Socceroos will name their squad next week. We'll chat about that, the Champions League overnight, the Premier League, uh, and the A-League when Daniel Garb joins us. After the break, you're listening to Afternoons for Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. And for Master Builders Association in Victoria, get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. For help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Twirl with Dwayne Russell. They might be able to finish it off here. Hoybier has been fed by Kane. He has finished it off and finished it off in style. Spurs are sailing through into the knockout stages and they're going to be top of the group to boot. Well, it is a good one. Van Dijk racing the goalkeeper on the line. Got something to it. It's bundled over the line by Mo Salah. Liverpool will still be behind Napoli. 
and end up second in the section, but it will change the mood, you suspect, in these parts. So Champions League action overnight. Liverpool with a 2-0 win over Napoli at Anfield and Spurs. Uh, they had to get at least a point. In the end, they won 2-1. But uh, just a couple of minutes before that uh, ceiling goal, Marseille had an absolute guilt head chance to go through and knock Spurs out at the same time, but they didn't. And as you heard from the commentary there, Spurs finished top of their group uh, ahead of the round of 16. Now, plenty to talk about in the world of football and no one better to do it with than Daniel Garb, who joins us this afternoon. Hello, Garby. Hello, Jules. How are you, mate? I'm sure you're happy with your Spurs boys sneaking it's a, through. It's another comfortable 90 minutes watching Spurs, Garby. <laughs> never, never any drama. You'll take it. Bit of a concern, though, for Hyungman Son. Mm. That's the big worry for Tottenham, I guess. Um, and not just for, for Spurs, because there's only a couple of games before the World Cup. For Korea, mainly. And for him, it'd be shocking if he misses the World Cup. He's such an important player for that nation, of course, and such a world star. So, well, if he misses the next couple of games, but let's hope he's at the World Cup, eh? Just on that, before we get stuck into the Champions League and, and, and the Socceroos and a few other issues, there's, there's, it's been a big week for, for injuries uh, for players that... Uh, you know, could it be significant in the World Cup? You know, Paul Pogba um, is one that's out for the French team. Uh, Romelu Lukaku is injured again for Belgium. So with the tournament just around the corner, there's some significant players uh, fighting to be there or, or have already been ruled out. Yeah, Diago Jota as well for Portugal is an important player. He's gone too. And Golo Conte for France as well. So the Socceroos wouldn't say benefiting, but a couple of France's superstars won't be there. They've got enough... Uh, top-notch players to call on, so I'm not sure it helps the Socceroos too much. But I guess it's just a product, Jules, of the timing of the World Cup, which, let's be honest, as we all know, is farcical. It's always been held in uh, the middle of the year, in the European summer, but because it's being held in Qatar, we have to move everything around to uh, to fit it in, pause all the European seasons, pause the A-League, and uh, and let's have it in November, December, which doesn't really add up, and that's putting a lot of pressure on players. And to be honest, They've been pushed to the max since football resumed after the COVID pandemic. They really haven't had much of a break. And uh, I think you're going to see a few more injuries as a result. And there just isn't the lead-up. Like, you're having about a week between the end of the European seasons and the start of the World Cup. And that's time to recover, whereas usually there's a good month between the end of the season and the start of the tournament for them to get over whatever injuries they might have. So that's a shame. It's just how it is, though. And, And Australia might be struggling as much as Anyone else is a, a big nervous wait mm. overnight to see the results of Martin Boyle's scan. So the initial diagnosis is that it's a bit of a bruise to the knee and maybe he's nicked his meniscus. That's what Hibbs are saying. Australia is just sitting there with their fingers crossed, hoping that's all it is and that he's okay to take his part in the tournament. It'd be devastating for him and the nation if he's not there. He's such an important player. Let's hope he's available or else the Socceroos stocks, um, which are already, as we know, um, pretty low in terms of getting through the group, they dive even further. What about Tommy Rogic, uh, Garby? Speaking to Daniel Garb about the world of football, I noticed he had an assist. I just saw the assist. I don't know he knew much about it uh, for West Brom last <laughs> night. He hasn't featured that much since uh, joining the Baggies. What have you seen of Tommy in recent times? And is he any chance to be in this squad? Oh, I think he's a good chance to be in the squad because we know that on his day, he still possesses arguably more quality than anyone else on the Socceroos squad list. And he's coming off a, a really good season for Celtic, but he hasn't been playing much football. The West Brom move never really added up. He hasn't been given much game time there. Great to see him come off the bench this morning and get 20 minutes or so. That was important. Hopefully he gets 
a bit more game time between now and the World Cup. I'd be very surprised if he's not named in Graham Arnold's squad next week. That would surprise, even though he hasn't played much football, even though he chose to sit out those qualifiers, it would still be a big call to leave him out completely. So I expect him to be named, but it's probably something that Graham Arnold is mulling over at the moment, and it's not a certainty. It just, all of it brings to the boil the fact that Tom Rogish didn't have his club situation sorted at all when he left Celtic. I don't think he quite knew what he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. We all thought there was something sorted for him, probably a big money move to Asia, but it hasn't been the case. I mean, I know that when it came to that move to West Brom, around the same time, he was still speaking to A-League clubs about whether there was something that was perhaps better suited to him. So he didn't really know where he wanted to go, and West Brom's probably not the best club for him, considering how well he played at Celtic last season. He could have jumped up a couple of notches, I think, into a different league, but he just probably wanted a break from Celtic and, and wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do, and that's probably left him in the situation now where yeah, soccer's spot is not guaranteed ahead of the World Cup. And six months ago, he was our bona fide best player. So hopefully he gets a bit more game time. I'd expect him to be named, but it's not a lock, not at all. Yeah, new manager at West Brom too makes things interesting. It could be a positive or, or it could be a negative. Just, just on Tom, it's hard to get a read on Tom because we don't hear from Tom and we don't really hear from the people <laughs> around him. Is he is he desperate to play for the Socceroos? Is it just a bonus if he plays the Socceroos? Do we know how he sort of feels about playing for the national team right now? I would say even the people closest to Tom Rogic wouldn't know that. He is a reclusive character and he keeps his cards very close to his chest. And I think he does care about playing for Australia a lot. I just don't think he likes everything that comes with being an international footballer and a high-profile footballer. It's just not for him. Um, but he certainly cares about being on the, the big stage and, and wearing our national team shirt. But yeah, I think he wants to go to the World Cup. It's my understanding. Uh, but there's something about him at the moment um, that probably has him a bit uncertain in his own mind about how passionate he is about his football career in general. That's been clear since he left Celtic. So, yeah, I think it's important to him. But it's hard to get a read on exactly what Tom Rogic is thinking. There are people who have known him for a long period of time who have openly said they still don't know him. I think his time at Celtic, something happened early days where you know, it's, it's a fishbowl atmosphere of the highest degree. And something must have happened there that just didn't quite agree with him in that environment, media-wise or, or otherwise, perhaps just being mobbed by people when he went out for dinner. He, he openly said he couldn't go out anywhere in Glasgow. It was too hard. And I think that all just got to him a little bit. And, and now he just seems a bit uncertain about it all. But hopefully he's there and performing because he is a cut above when he's at his best. Speaking of going out in uh, Glasgow, if you're a Rangers player right now, you probably wouldn't go out. It's been an... I mean, we didn't expect Rangers to get through their group and we don't expect Rangers to be strong uh, in the Champions League. And we've seen it's been pretty tough for Ange Postacoglu and Celtic in a, in a pretty tough group, in fairness to, to, to Ange and Celtic. But uh, statistically, Rangers are the worst team we've seen in the Champions League this season. Yeah, they were belted in a tough group. I mean, Liverpool last season's finalists who are struggling in the Premier League, but have done really well in the Champions League this season. And Napoli are the form team in Europe. I mean, they lost to Liverpool this morning. They had won 13 matches in a row prior to that and were unbeaten for the entire season across the Serie A and the Champions League. So it was a tough group for them, but they weren't at it either. Um, and it probably does sum up a little bit that Scottish football is, is still levels below the top. And 
Celtic are playing some fantastic stuff. We know under Ange, and they took it to Real Madrid in their first group game, and they've had opportunities in other games to get a point here or there, or maybe nick a win. Um, but ultimately, it's got a long way to go in terms of uh, keeping in touch with the big leagues in the world, and, and Rangers' performance in Europe probably summed that up. Explain Liverpool's season for me, Garby. Uh, a couple of questions. If you look at their last four results... They've beaten Man City. They've beaten Napoli today. If you just explain, have been unbeatable. In between, they've lost to Nottingham Forest and they've lost to Leeds at home. So why is it working pretty much in Europe and not in England? And is there pressure building on Jurgen Klopp? I think to answer the first part of the question, they just don't have the energy mentally and perhaps physically for two big games a week. I think there's been a lethargy in Liverpool that's been evident from the start of the season. And perhaps it's the product of being up at that top level for so long, for a good five, six years under Jurgen Klopp. And certainly that enormous season last season where they challenged for all four trophies, made the final of the Champions League, were in it till the last week of the Premier League season, won both domestic cups. They just seemed a bit drained. Um, And I don't think the squad was replenished enough. And then on top of that, you get some injuries. Players like Luis Diaz and Diago Jota are out now. Defenders were out in the early part of the season. Midfielders have been absent. And that's probably put pressure on the squad. So they've still got the quality to get up for a big game like Man City, to rise for the Champions League, but then doing it twice in a week, um, is not, they're not quite there right now. And then you see a drop-off against Leeds and a drop-off against Nottingham Forest. And if you drop off 10% in the Premier League, you get done. So... That's probably the situation for them at the moment. I don't think Jurgen Klopp's in any danger whatsoever. In fact, he came out yesterday and he said, I can't just be here for the good times when we're shining trophies. I've got to get us through the tough times as well. And he did that a couple of years ago as well, let's not forget. Um, I think that uh, he'll ride it out. He's just signed a new long-term contract and he seems very much motivated. And I'm I'm sure the board would have no qualms about uh, giving him plenty of time to get Liverpool through this and then try and challenge for the big trophies again. And uh, in a couple of words, uh, A-Rod out the back, he's an Arsenal man. He thinks they'll have the title wrapped up by about match week 31. <laughs> can can they win it this year? Can, can they challenge City all the way? I thought you'd ask me this question. Um, I think they can give it a little shake. I think they can certainly finish second. I can't see them winning it. I mean, if you look at the last five years, the teams that have won the title, I mean, City have won four of those five, Liverpool won. It's, it's points totals, jewels that are around 95 to 100 points. I mean, you're required to produce remarkable consistency, week in, week out. You cannot slip up. And you're asking an Arsenal side that has been fantastic in the first part of the season and could well finish second, to jump up from a team that finished sixth, fifth, eighth a couple of years in a row, and now jump up into that 95-point bracket, that's a very big ask. In the second half of the season, they're going to have Europa League knockouts. Their squad's going to be tested twice a week. They've got a young team as well. Mentally and physically, those players are going to be pushed. Can they do it week in, week out, under big pressure with the title on the line? I can't see that happening. I think most Arsenal fans know deep down it's probably unlikely, especially against the Man City side with Erling Haaland at the top of the attack. If Haaland Haaland goes down for a... A while, maybe that opens things up a little bit, but I still can't see it happening either way. I don't see anyone toppling City. If Arsenal finish second or simply get it back into the Champions League, they haven't been in the Champions League yeah. in five years. This is their sixth season out of it. I think fans should be happy with that, and then you try and add a couple of big signings in the off-season and, and give it another crack. They're on the right track. They should be happy with that. I can't see them winning it, but 
hey, you said that when Leicester managed to uh, to do it in 2016. So crazier things have happened. Garby, as always, uh, thanks to your time. Plenty to talk about in the world of football with Daniel Garb. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogo Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell, who's currently enjoying everything that Japan has to offer with his family. I'm going to put plenty of footy in at this hour. Bailey Hunt from the Bulldogs AFLW team is going to join us uh, in the very, very shortly. Just to also hopefully in this hour, get an update uh, on Aaron Finch's hamstring injury. Uh, George Bailey, uh, one of the Australian selectors, uh, is speaking to the media very shortly. So we'll keep you posted on that one. But of course, this weekend, the AFLW finals get underway. It all starts Friday night with a pretty juicy match to start, a rematch of last year's grand final when Melbourne host Adelaide. Then on Saturday, the other qualifying final, Brisbane host Richmond. Uh, Saturday night, the Cats in their first ever AFLW final series host the Kangaroos down at GMHBA Stadium. Then on Sunday, it's the other elimination final at Victoria Park 3.10pm. It's the Magpies hosting the Western Bulldogs and Bailey Hunt, one of the stars for the Doggies, has been good enough to join us this afternoon. Uh, Afternoon, Bailey. Afternoon, how are you? Very well. Uh, it's been a fair old journey to get back to the finals for the Western Bulldogs, hasn't it? You've been there the entire journey. The team that won that flag back in 2018 is uh, is barely recognisable. Uh, just just give us an idea of, of what this journey's been like to get back to play finals footy. Yeah, so this has been um, a long time. That was season two and now um, season seven feels like a lifetime ago. Um, and there's probably about, oh, I think there's... Four, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's only four of us that played, or maybe five, uh, in that grand final that are um, still around. So it, um, it's been a while for sure, and definitely it's been a hard slog. I mean, the years that followed that grand final and the few expansions that happened um, between then, we sort of uh, were getting a few more losses and wins for a few years there, which wasn't, um, you know, which wasn't the greatest, and meant finals were sort of not in reach for a few years, but we've obviously been um, the past two seasons before this have just sort of missed out and finished um, just outside that top six. So it's really good this year to finally be in it and get back to finals footy. As a player that experienced the ultimate, how, how tough was that? You know, you know, you lost a lot of star players, as you've said, and you, you got a, went back to having a really young list. You went back, uh, you know, invested uh, heavily in the draft. Was that, was that tough to take for a player that experienced that ultimate success that you probably knew deep down as a club, you'd probably have to take a couple of steps backwards before you could jump back up the ladder? Yeah, it was obviously, you know, it's always frustrating when your best players sort of leave. And, I mean, if you look at that premiership team now, we've got so many so many players who have moved on to different clubs that are all Australians and so many current club captains as well. So we've definitely lost a very, very um, good bunch of people. But, yeah, um, I suppose we just had to get a bit bit of patience and sort of ride it out and I mean the group we've got now we've had a good um, core group of young girls for a few seasons now so just sort of had to be patient and ride the waves with them and sort of get a lot of footy under their belt and I mean we're reaping the rewards now playing some good footy together and um, can only really see improvement from here. What was your expectation? We're speaking to Bailey Hunt from the Bulldogs AFLW team ahead of their elimination final against the Magpies on Sunday, 3.10pm at Victoria Park. Going into this season, what was your expectation for this team? What was your expectation to return to finals this year? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. We've we've never shied away from um, getting back to finals. Um, it was definitely a goal for the group at the start of the year. So my expectations was, yeah, to make finals and then who knows how far you could go. It's, it's just you've just sort of got to have that belief and um, you've sort of seen it over the past few seasons. This group is special when we get going. We've had some really good, you know, wins against quality opposition. Um, Adelaide, I can think of Adelaide off the top of my head last season, which probably wasn't an expected win. So... I mean, just you've just got to have confidence in the group and then we sort of have the belief in ourselves regardless of sort of the belief from the outside looking in. So as long as we believe in each other, um, yeah, anything's really achievable. How good was Ali Blackburn's goal last week? The, the quality of the goal and the timing of the goal. Yeah, she's, she's quite chally. She's amazing. She's been doing that for years. And then the poor thing had a sore neck during the week and I said, wow, if her neck... Was so I can only imagine how much sore it was after that game from carrying us through. But yeah, she's incredible. She's she's had so many clutch moments over the years, and honestly, just puts us on our back and just shows us the way and gets us over those really tight games. And thankfully for her, and I mean, obviously credit to all the girls as well. But um, securing that win on Friday night allowed us to know for certain we were playing finals and just sort of put everyone's mind at ease and not wait for 5 p.m. Sunday for some results. It's been a really interesting season when you when you look at the way it's unfolded for the Bulldogs you win your first four and you have this flat patch in the middle uh, with some you know some difficult results and then you finish with three in a row so do you feel like you're hitting finals in in the right shape do you feel like you're playing as well as you were at the start of the year how do you sort of see where the girls are at at the moment um yeah I think so Berkey mentioned the other week to us like you want to you don't want to be playing your best football at the start of the season I suppose that's with any sport you sort of play. You want to you want to be hitting your straps towards the the end of the season when finals come into play. Um, so yeah, that sort of patch in the middle of the season probably brought us back down to earth and a few reality checks and stuff that um, we just identified that we needed to improve on. And then obviously having the past three wins um, in the lead up to finals is really good just for some confidence and just how we know we're capable of playing. You've played at Victoria Park. Already this season, the Pies got you by 25 points earlier in the season. What do you need to do better this Sunday to make sure you turn that result around? Um, so, yeah, that was it's funny. There's actually been two seasons in one year. So that was uh, technically last season. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a very good point. We, um, <laughs> we, I suppose, the Collingwood have sort of had the wood over us the past, uh, gosh, I think the last time we beat them probably was actually the premiership year. Um so, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to, um, you know, squaring that ledger with them and getting one back up on them. And they're obviously a quality opposition, but um, I know our girls are good enough to get the job done. We just have to um, work hard and put into place a plan and, um, you know, really sort of stick to that on game day and anything could happen. Speaking of Bailey Hunt from the Bulldogs AFLW team, as we prepare for the AFLW finals, it starts on Friday night with Melbourne and the Crows and concludes on Sunday when the Dogs take on the Magpies at Victoria Park. Uh, Bailey, tell us about Alice Edmonds. I mean, delisted by the Tigers in 2020, basically signed as a replacement player and is one of the best ruckmen in the uh, the best rucks in the competition right now. Number one for hitouts, number ones for hitout advantage. Just take us through her development this season. Yeah, it's been crazy. I might add she's also um, number one for, I think, tackles in total by Iraq as well. So she's been absolutely awesome for us this year. Um, the club have kind of, we've been campaigning this whole season for her to be All-Australian. So <laughs> if the selectors are out well, there listening. Um... With those numbers, she's got to be a chance. 
Yeah, she's she's been awesome. I think um, this year she's we've probably seen her, you know, come to light a bit more because we've had to kind of rejig our forward line a bit. So you've seen Celine Moody kind of spend majority of the games down forward, which meant Alice um, became our starting ruck, and she's honestly just flourished like her. Her hit-out work and just giving our mids first use is, like, incredible. And she's had such a great year and, um, yeah, excited to see what she'll bring for us this final series. Have you been pleasantly surprised with what she's been able to do or did you see signs over the preseason that uh, she could have a significant impact, not only on your team, but, as you say, on, on the competition this season? Yeah. Um, no, I think she's always had that um, capacity. She just – I think it just came down to a lot of self-confidence and – I mean, probably after getting delisted, I mean, anyone would pro- probably sort of be self-doubting their self. And she came across to us. And as you said, she was only a trainer. We just happened to um, put her on the list because of an unfortunate injury to Gabby Newton. Um, but I put it down to the work of our rock coach, James Kennedy. Like he's just, he put a mountain of work into not only Alice, but Celine last season as well. Um, and just really, really helped their rock craft. And then from that, they've sort of just gotten that belief and confidence and it's just grown week in, week out. As someone that's has taken part since year one of the competition, how have you seen the competition this year? You know, 18 teams, as you say, it's been sort of two seasons in one year, really short preparation this year. We've seen, you know, some mixed results from the expansion teams. But then you look at the finals, Geelong's gone from one win to seven almost finished in the top four. Richmond's jumped up into the top four, which has probably surprised some people as well. Overall, have you have you seen the season you know, for the first time with 18 clubs involved? Yeah, it was obviously going to um, be a bit different in terms of results, for, you know, because obviously there's expansion sides coming in and then um, teams that have sort of been up the top for a few years, like your Adelaide's and your Brisbane and Melbourne. Um, yeah, I reckon that, so probably Essendon and Hawks surprised me, or not surprised me, sorry, but like have actually done quite well um, considering their expansion clubs. Like they've got a fair few wins on the board comparing to probably previous years when expansion teams are brought in. I think they probably struggled to get wins on the board in their first season. Um, so that'll only hold them in good stead. And then obviously through the development of the competition, like you're going to get some uh, games here and there where the the teams that have been around for seven seasons are getting those easy wins. But I mean, we've just got to be patient and sort of in a few years' time, um, I can see the competition evening itself out more and that talent being distributed a bit more evenly and then you'll find results be a lot more um, closer. We mentioned You mentioned there that, you know, basically the two seasons in one and having a short space between last season and to prepare for this season. And for, for you personally, has that been tough juggling with, with what you do outside of football, having that short turnaround and almost two seasons in one? Um, yeah, it was a little bit. Um, I only work part-time, so it wasn't too bad for me. And I suppose, uh, as I mentioned, we just missed out on finals um, at the end of last season. So um, sort of getting around and getting into the next season sort of just helped you forget about that and get cracking on to try and um, get that finals worth the next season round. So, yeah, it was a short turnaround. But, um, I mean, we're sort of training if we're not in season, we're sort of training um, year in, all, like all year round with our teammates, whether it be an official or a non-official capacity. So it kind of felt like um, it was just what we were already doing, but obviously in a more official capacity. And Bailey, what are you doing with yourself outside of footy? Uh, so I'm just doing a bit of part-time cleaning at the moment since um, our... Uh, 
new CBA was introduced, obviously, um, we got a bit of a pay rise this year. So it's sort of given the flexibility to focus a bit more on football and dedicate a bit more of my time to football rather than trying to juggle. I know a few girls in my team and many other um, current players still work full time as well as trying to basically play footy full time and throw in study on top of that. So, yeah, I've just sort of prioritised footy a bit more this year and being able to have a bit more of a balance between the two. I'm going to ask you a real easy one to finish. You mentioned all the star players that aren't at the dogs anymore, and we see them spread around the competition, all Australians, you know, some of the best players in the competition. If you could choose one to have back for this final series, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, oh, gosh, there's honestly that many good players. <laughs> I mean, Mon Conti would be nice, wouldn't she? She's an absolute gun, but I mean... Maybe the amount of forwards we've lost over the years, it would it would be nice to get Bonnie too good back. She'd her um marking ability and just forward craft is second to none. So she'd she'd be a handy inclusion to get back. But yeah, they're all they're all superstars really. It's hard to pick. Yeah, you've lost some good ones, but there's a new wave uh, coming through and uh, you get your chance at finals footy uh this weekend. Uh, Bailey, thanks so much for your time. Let's hope we see plenty of Red, white and blue out there at Victoria Park. I'm sure the Magpie Army will turn up. So uh, good luck on Sunday uh, with the elimination final. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to chat to Bailey Hunter as we build up to the AFLW finals uh, this weekend. Uh, let's get to a break. Our lines are open, one 736 736 Also play that audio uh, from Alistair Clarkson after the break. We spoke to Ian Woolley from Channel 9 off the top of the show. Back at Arden Street today, uh, starting the gig as the uh, Kangaroos coach. We know this investigation is still going on. So we'll bring you that audio from Alistair Clarkson after the break. Sam Naismith to listed Swan, uh, not too far away as well. This is Afternoons for Kogan Mobile. Make the call switch to Kogan Mobile. Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer and Master Builders Association in Victoria. Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. Hopefully we'll bring some news on Aaron Finch very shortly. George Bailey, uh, Australian selector, addressing the media pretty much as we speak. A bit of a spoiler alert if you're a Major League Baseball fan. Game three of the World Series is underway. So series tied at one all. But the Phillies are destroying the Astros at the moment. 7-0 at the top of the seventh. So it looks like the Phillies Going to take a 2-1 lead in that series. Uh, just a couple off our uh, 40 winks uh, temper. Earlier in the show, we spoke about uh, your footy club. Some players are slowly drip-feeding back into training, particularly the younger players. So if you're the fitness boss at your footy club, which players do you want them to be riding really hard uh, this summer to get them fit and firing for 2023? So we've got some prizes to give away still. So if you want to jump on the line, one 736 736 you can. The 40 winks uh, temper, get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 winks, serious about sleep. So had a heap of nominations coming through. Probably fair enough from Ross here. Fitness the entire Essendon list. Well, I guess the fact the review said they weren't fit enough is probably right. Uh, not sure about this one. Nick Larkey needs to get in the gym and do some squats. Can't kick over 45 metres. Can't hold his feet in a contest, uh, says another one. Zach Williams, Zach Williams, Zach Williams, says Trotter. Uh, Jake Stringer hasn't been fit for three years. He needs to get fair dinkum, says Darren. Oh, look, he was super fit at the start of last year. Unfortunately, 
uh, a couple a groin issue really slowed him down. He just never got going uh, last year. One here from uh, Joe with Lockie Hunter moving on. I'd like to see Jason Johannesson play on a wing so that he can use his run and pace for maximum impact. Has had little impact as a pressure forward in recent seasons, and Bevo will no longer play him down back as he has a penchant to turn the ball. Oh, interesting one. A lot of talk that he would be on the move, Jason Johannesson, but did uh, sign on. And, uh, yeah, interesting to see what role he plays next year. One here about the cricket. Fair point here from Cam from Churnside Park. Jules, everyone is riding off Ireland against New Zealand. Pretty sure the Irish beat the Poms. They could beat the Kiwis. Then the Aussies win and go through. Well, it is a possibility if they can beat England. Who knows? They might be able to beat New Zealand. Now, just off the top of the show today, we spoke about Alistair Clarkson, uh, you know, lobbing at Arden Street uh, officially uh, for the first time uh, in this preseason. We spoke to Ed Woolley uh, from Channel 9, who was there, just to sort of set the mood and give us an idea of uh, what sort of things uh, Alistair Clarkson had to say. But let's uh, play about two minutes here of Alistair Clarkson uh, being spoken to by journalists as he arrived at Arden Street this morning. Chris, was, Jason and myself have gone through a tough tough four weeks without a doubt, but um, we're pleased that the, the terms of reference are, have been stamped by the AFL and um, we just await for... Uh, information from the AFL when all, all that will commence. But, um, yeah, looking forward to, to the, the chance to contribute to that and, um, in the meantime, get on with what we need to do here. Alistair, I don't know you, Alistair, be able to juggle your responsibilities as coach with, with that investigation? Yeah, well, I suppose the advantage for Chris and I is we've been around the game for a long period of time, so uh, it's just a matter, a matter of compartmentalising things and... Um, yeah, obviously the, the investigation will take our, our most significant priority over the over the course of the next you know five or six weeks, or however long it takes. Um, in the meantime, we've got a really good team of people. I mean, they've uh, they've they've worked pretty pretty well without me the last four or five weeks. So I'm sure I'll do the same. I'll I'll just come in and out of the program as see fit. But the the number one priority will be to contribute to that investigation. Alison, do you think it's appropriate that you start coaching with the investigation ongoing? Um, well, that's a, a decision that's been made by the by the club and myself. You know, the, the, the minute they are just allegations, and we're uh, we're going to defend ourselves pretty pretty strongly in uh, in the investigation. And um, like anyone in this in this world, um, until the allegations are proven, you should be able to get on and live your life. How confident are you that you would be cleared of these allegations? Yeah, well, we'll work through that with the with the AFL investigation. But um, you know, all, all all we do know is that there's been three or four clubs in the competition over the last um, over the last 20 years that have been really, really strong clubs, uh, really, really successful clubs, and those clubs have all had magnificent cultures, and Hawthorne's been one of those. So um, I'd, be, uh, I'd be very, very surprised if we weren't able to put a, a really, really strong case forward that, um, that, these, uh, that these allegations um, have been reported in a different way than we saw them when we were at the club. So that was Alistair Clarkson uh, this morning as he arrived at North Melbourne. As Ed and Willie said earlier, uh, as part of their story on Nine News tonight, they'll also speak uh, to uh, one of the lawyers representing uh, one of the First Nations uh, families that have uh, made these allegations. It comes off the back of the story in The Age today. I'll just read a little bit from this story. Uh, an Indigenous woman who alleges the Hawthorne Football Club subje- subjected her to appalling mistreatment won't take part in the unsafe AFL investigation. And it goes on to say, in an eight-page statement released on Wednesday through marquee lawyers, Amy, whose name was changed to protect her identity, described the process as unsafe and raised several points of concern. Those concerns include the review not being independent of the AFL, that it continues the 
the pattern of abuse it's supposedly addressing by investigating whether the incidents of abuse even took place, which is a huge insult to many First Nation players and family members who were brave enough to come forward and that it is rushed rush the process and not culturally safe. So uh, a lot to play out uh, with this investigation and it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what unfolds and what comes out of it. Uh, before we get to the news, uh, a couple more uh, callers have jumped on the open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Want to chat about players they want to see get fit uh, at their footy club this summer. Let's go to Max in Williams Landing. G'day, Max. Yeah, 100%. You sound like Andy Marr because uh, Andy Marr is a massive fan of David Cunningham and uh, he has played some good games for Carlton. A couple of, you know, when you remember players that play well against your team, a couple of times David Cunningham's played some really good games against Essendon. So you're right. He has undoubted talent and hasn't been a fitness issue. Unfortunately, uh, a knee reconstruction and, and other issues uh, have held him back. Thanks for your call, Max. A $100 Garmy chicken voucher coming your way. Let's get to Michael in Hawthorne. G'day, Michael. Hi, Jules. How are you going? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Charlie Kernow fit again. He was he was great last year. If he could build on that, then that, that, the sky's the limit, really. Well, that's so, a bit scary for the rest of the competition, Michael. If you don't think he was that fit last year and he wins the Coleman medal. Well, he was, he was fit, but that's the first sort of fit time he's been. And he wasn't for the whole year, so... Mm. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be great to see him in full fitness. He he could be awesome. Yeah, well, that's that is a scary thought for the rest of the competition. Oh, yeah, look, I think he's a player that uh, whether you're a Carlton supporter or not, you enjoy seeing him at full throttle. And uh, I think it was one of the good stories of the year. The fact that not only he came back and played well, he won the Coleman Medal in a year where you've got some quality key forwards. So it was an outstanding effort uh, from Charlie Kernow. Thanks for your call, Michael. Uh, a ballers clubhouse voucher. Coming your way, fantastic venue in the city. I think we had a Christmas party there last year, didn't we, A-Rod? Magnificent uh, venue in the city. So uh, that is uh, coming your way. Let's get to the newsroom. Uh, Sam Naismith from the uh, delisted Sydney Swan, not too far away. Uh, Dave from Richmond will get to your call on the other side of the newsroom. Now you're an all-star. Terrible song, A-Rod. Big hey, cross now. against your name. For that one, of course, uh, Sports Day is mentioned there with Jared Hill and Brad Johnson. But what a great lead into the show, the run home. Andy Marr, Andrew Gaze, uh, Homicide Williams, as always, on a Wednesday, will join the boys in the studio. Let's get back to the open line, one 736 736 Delisted Swan, Sam Naismith will join us uh, very shortly. Let's go to Dave in Richmond. G'day, Dave. Hi, Julian. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question about the fixturing and how they and the reasoning why behind certain games keep popping up every year. Like, I follow Richmond, right? Yeah. And we play St Kilda at Marvel every year. And I know they do that Matty Rewild... Yep. Um, Matty's match, yep. ...fundraiser thing. So basically, because that is a, that fundraiser is linked to that match, that match will, between the two teams will pretty much always be fixtured as a St Kilda home game. And we only ever play St Kilda at the MCG maybe once every three or four years. So if there's only one fixture between us, 
it's going to be the game at St Kilda's home ground, Marvel, isn't it? Pretty much. I think at this stage, yeah, that's true. That's true. Game. Yeah. So is that? A, is that a, should they? Should Richmond be arcing up and saying, "Well, you can have the fixture at the MCG as your home game, but should we be continually forced to go to Marvel to play St Kilda because you've aligned it with?" A, um, a fundraiser. Nothing against the fundraising aspect of course. Of it, but from the fixturing perspective, should we be forced into that every year because it's, that fixture is aligned with that fundraiser? Good question. Look, I, I don't know the answer. I think right now it's just a goodwill gesture. The fact that Jack Reed wants still playing for Richmond, I think they like the look of it being almost a full stadium at Marvel Stadium every time the game is played. I think that would be an aspect as well. But, yeah, there is quirks in the fixturing like that uh, all the time with certain teams that haven't played a team at home for quite some time, and that's another one. So my suspicion there, Dave, is it's it's just a goodwill gesture at the moment, and and Richmond don't have a problem with it. Um, But it'll be interesting to see if that changes uh, over the years. Let's get to Vic in Epping. G'day, Vic. How are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. I was just thinking, um, when Carlton got Michael Voss, I think um, we were going to get um, Ross Lyon. Yeah. But maybe Ross Lyon should have been an assistant coach and Soss should um, help the defence then. And we would have had Voss, Ross and Soss. How's that? And then you got So Soss. Son of uh, son of uh, yeah. son of uh, Steve as well. Yeah, I couldn't see Ross Lyon being an assistant coach, but uh, I'd be pretty happy with Vossy's first year, wouldn't you, Vic? Yeah, I am. But, um, you know, when they retire as coaches, who do you reckon will win the bragging rights? Uh, Ross or Ross at the end of the day when you, you know, look back in time? Good question. Well, now that Ross is back in the system, he has a chance to win that premiership that has been so elusive. And if he can break St Kilda's duck, put a statue of him at Moorabbin. So it's a good question. Right now you'd think Michael Voss, well, Michael Voss and Carlton are closer to a premiership than St Kilda. Uh, certainly Michael's got the playing resume with three flags, captain of all three. But, yeah, good question. I think right now you'd be putting your hard earned on Carlton winning a flag before St Kilda. Good call, Vic. Uh, Brick Lane Brewing voucher coming your way. Uh, we'll get a breakaway. Justin and Andy, we might get back to you a little bit later, if that's okay. We've just got Sam Maysmith uh, coming up uh, for the Swans. But we'll get to your calls uh, very, very shortly. You're listening to Dwayne's World for Kogan Mobile, Brick Lane Brewing and Master Builders Association of Victoria. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Tough time of the year at footy clubs when players are let go. And we saw the Swans uh, let go three players the other day, including Sam Naismith, who just has not had a run of it. 30 games in nine seasons, uh, three ACLs included. And uh, Sam's been good enough to have a chat to us this afternoon. Uh, Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, mate. How are you? Very well. How are you going? Did this come as... A bit of a surprise uh, when you got the news earlier in the week, or how did it all play out for you with the Swans? Uh, mate, it's probably you know someone in my position that's um, you know touch and go for the last sort of couple of years um, with sort of like contract stuff, and I knew that it was uh, up at the end of this year. It's, um, yeah, it's, it probably wasn't a surprise, but um, in saying that, it's sort of. Uh, I've been having good conversations with Horse and uh, and Charlie, and there's always sort of 
talked about, you know, we want to try and do as much as we can to sort of make sure that your body's good to go. And then, um, which it is now, so it's, I've, I've been um, asking him a, for a little while saying that, you know, put me in, I, I, could, I can play <laughs> whatnot. Um, but, you know, it's just, um, it's, I run out of time to sort of like prove myself to, to the club. Um, and they've, you know, they've got to make it a business business decision at the end of the year, end of the day, anyway. So, um, yeah, we're just unfortunately these things happen. So, how are you feeling about it right now? I mean, is it a sense of disappointment? Is there a, not not shocks, not quite the white world, but how how's it sitting with you? Um, oh, mate, it's just sort of like right now you you get a few messages from um, from people that you've played with and people that you've met through the club and. Um, you're thankful for that sort of stuff. So it's, I'm not sort of, I'm disappointed in how it, the, like the last 10 years or so have, have like played out. But, um, you know, it's sort of, you know, that's, it's made me who I am today. But um, I'm just sort of frustrated in the sense that I haven't had enough, um, I wish I had a couple more weeks um, towards the end of the season there where I could sort of, you know, really prove myself to say, you know, I'm ready to go. Because yourself and the club made a decision throughout this season just to not play this year, hold yourself back, and which would have been very difficult when you've only played two senior games since, since 2017. How, how difficult was that to come to that decision, just to to just keep training, get your body right, and and hopefully relaunch next year? Yeah, so that was it was a hard decision. Um, I came back in 2021 um, and played sort of. I came back and played against Collingwood VFL. Um, half a game there, um, and then the week after, I played another half a game against Casey. Um, and I was I was playing some really good footy in my two games back, but then went and um, had a scan, and just it turns out that my ACL, um, the surgery was just sort of like botched. Um, the, there was no ACL in there at all, um, so it was sort of like I played those games without one. So do we got sort of like do we keep going on with it, or do we sort of you know have surgery? Um, do a two-part one, take 15 months to sort of make sure of it to give myself the best chance of playing footy again. Um, and that's the one that we opted to. Uh, horse wrapped me in bubble wrap. He he, said, he told me um, then and there, he's like, mate, even if you are good next year, we're not going to sort of roll the dice because, you know, it's going to give you the best chance of, um, you know, playing some good footy. And, and you know, if, if something was to happen that we came back too early... He, wouldn't be able to live with himself, and he knows that sort of if I if I do get myself right, I'll, I'll be I'll be good to go. So um, it was sort of hard towards the end of the year saying, mate, like I want to help out, I want to help the team sort of um, sort of go, and um, they were building towards the grand final. So it's you know you want to be a part of that as much as you can, but um, we had those conversations um, early early sort of mid 2021. It's been to Sam Naismith, unfortunately let go by the Sydney Swans earlier this week. So has there been any discussion, Sam's, about is there an opportunity potentially on the rookie list? Is there discussions with, with your management and any other clubs? Is, is that sort of happened yet? Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to navigate in the next couple of weeks um, just to see um, see what I'm, uh, any potential there with uh, finding a new home. Um, I'm like as I said, I'm I'm good to go. So I'm just trying to um, do as much as I can to sort of, um, you know, press my case. Uh, I know that in myself that if I get an opportunity, I'll, I'll be able to sort of prove it. So um, hopefully something comes up. Uh, my manager, Ben, has been sort of 
chat in a few clubs, so hopefully uh, something sticks there over the next couple of weeks. So you play a grand final in 2016, and you have your best year uh, in 2017 when you establish yourself as, as the Swans' number one ruckman, and then we know you know, the, the ACL happens and the complications since. Have you had a sort of why me moments over the journey? Um, oh, I don't think sort of... Um... I probably have a different mindset to, to sort of some people, but there's no use for uh, thinking, you know, thinking that. Um, footy, footy's a contact game. It's you know, you're going to get injuries. You're going to, going to have these setbacks. It's um, you know, things that you can't control. So, um, I've sort of, without all these setbacks, it's probably built a bit of resilience and a bit of sort of perspective about life. And um, you know, that's that's stuff that's going to. Uh, you know, take you outside of footy uh, for years to come. I was going to ask you that. Is, is some of the things you've done um, outside of footy, and, you know, we're into Movember now, and there's a big focus on, on men's mental health. You've done some great work with the with the Black Dog Institute as well. Is, is those sort of things been able to keep footy and setbacks in perspective for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's sort of, you know, ACL injuries. Um, you know, I've spoken to a few people about it. That's It's a mental injury because... It's just the knowing that, right, I will, my knee's okay now, but it's sort of 12 months is the recovery time. So it's, it's all about how you sort of put the mindset to it. And, um, and yeah, like it's with the, with the footy sense of stuff, it's, you know, you, you take a step back and you, you look at life outside of footy and what it would be like. And um, it puts sort of the bubble of a footy environment into perspective. It's just like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Other people are going through other stuff. What other plans we hope footy continues for a few years to come, but what are your sort of plans post-footy? Um, mate, not too sure at the moment. It'd be good to um, sort of have a bit of a breather. Um, I, yeah, I've been uh, doing a lot of pottery and ceramics, um, which I've been enjoying, um, and just networking with people um, through my time at the Swans. It's sort of, they've got a great sort of network there as well, which has um, been handy and yeah, just sort of not to not stress about too much. Um, yeah, at the moment, so it it is what it is. How did the pottery and ceramics come about? Um, a mate got in touch with me, um, and I got in. Uh, I went down once I uh, did my ACL um, a couple of years ago, and then yeah, just grew to love it. And it's such a sort of. Um, uh, good thing for the mind just to sort of not think about anything whilst you're working with clay and it's very porous um i feel as though it's a really good um mindfulness exercise um and then yeah i've started to meet a few people that are that are injured as as well and yeah started to bond that way oh magnificent so if you've done is there a course excuse my ignorance is there is there a course you do to improve your skills how does that all sort of come about Oh, mate, if you come to Tamarara, I'll, I'll take you for a lesson. <laughs> oh, I'm useless with my hands, Sam. You you couldn't help me. Oh, mate, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, everyone's start, got to start somewhere. <laughs> uh, magnificent. Hey, uh, it's... No, yeah, sorry, keep going. No, it's good fun. It's um, Tom Derricks, who used to play at yep. this one. Um, and he played at Richmond as well. He got me into it. So um, it's just sort of something outside of footy that's, you know, creative and a bit of an outlet. Just on the Swans, it's been a sad week, uh, a sad few days as well. Two long-term uh, staff members 
uh, have passed away, John Payne being one of them. And the other one that I guess everyone in footy really knows is Kenny Williams, who's been such a, a part of that football club, one of those people that just makes up a footy club. Just just give us an insight into into Kenny as a man and, and what he meant to the, to the Sydney players and I guess everyone at the Sydney Swans. Yeah, it's, it's been such a sad sort of um, little week here at the Swans. It's hearing about John Payne. Um, he's, you know, he was the... The, the guy that used to come around and like organise us for, for trips and games and game day and whatnot and even off-season stuff, he's sort of an integral part to, you know, some of the years that I've had at the club, but even for the people before us. And also Kenny, who's, um, you know, we, we, all, we all know who Kenny was. He was down there on, on game day. He was in the centre of the circle um, when we're winning games, singing the song. It's, it's not going to be the, the same place without those two guys, that's for sure. Yeah, those um, sort of yeah, yeah, those sort of guys make up or, and women make up uh, footy clubs uh, for sure. Hey, Sam, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I hope the journey uh, from your point of view uh, is not over. It's been an amazing journey going right back to the Gunnedah Bulldogs uh, in the Tamworth uh, Footy League uh, to play in an AFL grand final and, and be ten years, nearly 10 years on an AFL list. So I hope it can either continue with the Swans or, or elsewhere. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Appreciate it. Great to chat to Sam Naismith, who was looking like going to be an elite ruckman in the competition till unfortunately uh, injury struck. Let's get another breakaway. Bobby Quiney, former Australian test player and Victorian uh, superstar, not too far away from joining us. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help getting your builder's registration. Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back, Rob Quiney, to join us in studio after two. Let's get to Andy on the road quickly before the news. G'day, Andy. Hey, how you going? Good. I just wanted to highlight before, I think it was uh, Dave calling about yep. the Richmond uh, scheduling it. Um, I'd like to say, put it in perspective, like when, when Richmond played Geelong, which going to Geelong is probably the most hostile environment in football, they never have to do it in Geelong. They get they have to play Geelong every year at the MCG. Whereas smaller teams like I go from Melbourne and teams like probably St Kilda, which is complaining about North Melbourne Bulldogs, have to go on the schedule every single year to Geelong, where they play one of the toughest teams at the home ground every week. So whenever they complain about Marvel, <laughs> they get it pretty good being a big club, never having to go to places like that. Yeah, swings and roundabouts, Andy. I think that's the sentiment off the temper text, but. Um... Yeah, they get plenty of home games at the G. And there's something about Richmond and Marvel Stadium that doesn't quite agree. I'll ask Rob Quiney about that. He's a big tiger. I want to see if he goes to Marvel Stadium or just heads along to the G. He's going to talk, chat to us about the T20 World Cup after the break. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Master Builders Victoria. Supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet. All today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Lucky enough to have Rob Quiney in the studio. Doubleheader coming up in the T20 World Cup today. So first of all, Zimbabwe and the Netherlands starts at 3pm. And then tonight, it's India v Bangladesh. You can catch all the action on SEN and the SEN app. Uh, Rob, great to see you. Jules, thanks so much for having me, mate. Pointing into the uh, the tournament coming up. Absolutely. How are you feeling from Australia's point of view? Just reading uh, George Bailey saying uh, Aaron Finch and Tim Dave are going to be given every chance to play in this final game. Just feel like it's a tournament where 
the Aussies just can't quite get going. It does feel like that, doesn't it? Um, it's almost like the weather. You're sort of on again, off again, <laughs> the way the Melbourne's going at the moment. But, yeah, they're going to try. and They need to win. Um, they're going to need to have their best team. And in their best team, they see Aaron Finch and, and Tim David. So, um, no doubt, uh, Cam Green's been hitting some, some centre wicket practice, hitting some big balls. Uh, there's talk that he's just going to be a like-for-like spot for Finchy down there. Um, and it's actually good that it's only those two names that have come up of recent time, considering Marcus Stoinis obviously had some hamstring issues as well. So, hopefully, he's fit and firing a go. Did the Aussies leave an opportunity behind the other night? Yeah, five for 25, Ireland, where you think this is going to be great for the net run rate. And they just couldn't knock him over. Yeah, for sure. And it sort of um, coincided with Finchie going off the ground about a similar time as well. So I don't know if that had a direct impact on the field or not, whether, you know, there was a direct message to, to Matty Wade or even Glenn Maxwell out there, you know, to who's going to run the ship there. But uh, there, there was definitely an opportunity there to, to just bring that net run rate back into play. Um, but yeah, five for 25, big opportunity. The bowl was set up beautifully at the start, um, but just couldn't capitalise that little bit, could they? Just... Going back to the lead into the tournament, there's been a bit of talk about in the lead up games and Australia throwing their lineup around, whether it was who was in the 11, who was batting where. Should have they settled it down a little bit more leading into the tournament, do you think? It feels like they should have, Jules. I just wonder once the dust settles from this tournament, whether we're going to find out, you know, more about the method behind the madness. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at it going, you know, we'd love to have some um, continuity, continuity with Finchie. Um, but looking at it, Dave Warner actually hasn't fired at the top either. Now no, all true. our focus has been on Finchie and, and he's actually really wrestled and, and made some ugly runs, but geez, he's been pretty good. Um, but just Warner down the other end, like unfortunately he can't get going. So yeah, maybe a little bit of tinkering um, might've gone against the Aussies, but yeah, they've been around enough. They've played enough games and it probably shouldn't. Um, but yeah, they're in a, a really awkward position now in the tournament. Chat to us about Aaron Finch. We spoke to him last week and he said, look, I don't, Read any papers. I don't hear any of the media going on. When you hear sportsmen say that or sportsmen, you think, that's not true. You must hear the outside noise sometimes. But it, it, when he says that, is that true? Would anything being said outside get into his little bubble? It, it wouldn't actually affect him too much. I think he's deflecting. I mean, you can't not listen to it when it gets asked of him and, mm-hmm. and of his teammates, you know, every second uh, interview that they have. So he, he'd definitely be... F- well and truly aware of it, um, how it affects him. He's got a really good support network in there. He's really close with the coach, Andrew McDonald. Um, Glenn Maxwell and Dave Warner is really close. So to, to sort of bounce off those guys, I think he's okay. I just think he's coming to the end, you know, and I think um, he's probably just trying to hold on for as long as he can. I just, you know, some, some freedom from him would be nice. Um, but first and foremost, we need to get that extra large hamstring right for sure. How does he do a hamstring? He doesn't, move, he doesn't move quick enough to do a hamstring, what, does he? It looks to be deceiving, Jules. He's very fast Explosive. over short distance. He certainly is. But <laughs> he's had um, hamstring issues over the last two or three years. And when he's done his hamstring, he's done it well and truly. He had surgery, I think, two years ago to, to repair it as well. So uh, very explosive and powerful is, is Finchie. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he said himself it's only a little niggle. But we all know if you're going into a semifinal, um, you want to get out there and play and you, and you downplay anything like that, don't you? I was going to say, though, the way he was moving the other night, and we all know what a hamstring string is it's hard to see him playing at least the next match it is when there's only about a three or four day turnaround because we know with soft tissue injuries you need at least a week or two so how they approach that whether um <laughs> he, he doesn't run as much while he's batting um he can sit at first slip for a little bit longer than than normal who knows but they would they'd strategize things like this um they'd work out what's the best case is it a is it a half fit finchy uh versus a cam green and, and i think what's going to come to the fore is uh, him being out in the field as captain is going to be just as important as him being the opening batter. That's the voice of Rob Quiney you can hear in the studio. Last night, 
from an Australian point of view, we needed the Kiwis probably to beat England. In saying that, Ireland play New Zealand. We've seen Ireland beat England. How impressed were you with England's performance last night? They're, they're very clinical at the moment. They've done a really good job considering the game against Ireland. Ireland were in front, hence why they won with the Duckworth-Lewis system. Uh, you felt like the way Ali was hitting the ball that England could have won that one. Then they've had a, a, a rain-affected or no result with, with Australia, which means they've only played a couple of games and they're st- sitting at the top. So uh, they're going really, really well. And one thing that stood out for me last night was Joss Butler. The, the steely mm. look in his eye and his face, he was really determined to make sure that they got that win and, and made, just made sure that, that that's a big game against New Zealand and really put them up. You know, they're sitting second at the moment and, and everything's now the balls in Australia's court, which they're happy with. If you had to pick a winner from here right now in the tournament, who, who would you have your money on? Pains me to say it, but I think South Africa are going mm, beautifully. They're, they're just, they're just, they're going They won't nice get it done quietly. when it counts. They shouldn't and they haven't as yet. <laughs> we always joke about the semifinals and they, they can't skip by that, but um, they're my little smokies at the moment. I think New Zealand and England are going really, really well. And you can never discount India. Arshdeep Singh, I thought they would, you know, no Jasper Boomerah. I said no India, but Arshdeep Singh's come in and done an amazing job for him. What, what, that was an amazing event at the MCG, what, a oh. week and a half ago, India and Pakistan. It's one of the more memorable events at the MCG. And Simon O'Donnell spoke last week. There's been talk about yeah. potentially playing an, an India-Pakistan test match at the MCG. How, how would that go, do you think? It would. I'd, everyone would go. You get a bigger crowd here than you would in India for Test match cricket. Yeah, correct. And we might get a, a bigger crowd here than we would for any other Test nation. So we, you know, we're coming up against the West Indies here, Australia v West mm. Indies. I dare say the crowd, um, India yep. v Pakistan, would be a lot bigger. So um, there'd be bums on seats. There'd be people watching from all around the world. And oh, I, I think it's a great idea. And, and whether there's a way they can they can have that series in in um, you know cities like Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney. Uh, I'd, I'd be keen as. What about you? Oh, absolutely, be amazing. I was like, you knew that was going to be a big event, but just the noise throughout the match, and the fact that it was a great match helped as well. But it was on top of that, the atmosphere yeah. was almost grand final like. So grand final like, just gone yeah. with the AFL footy. That you could feel that through the TV, and it wasn't that much different when it came to the India Pakistan game. That was it was very exciting. It was unbelievable. And we've got to let you go because you got some yeah. uh, you got some work to do. But just for those that haven't heard your voice for a while, what's keeping you busy outside of uh, a few cricket commitments? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a real job at the moment, which, <laughs> which has that been tough. You? No, it's been good. It's really enjoyable at the AFL Players Association. So I've uh, been there for about three years, and eighty five percent of it's been through COVID. So been plenty going on. Um, looking forward to life outside of COVID going forward. But um, yeah, been um, really impressed with the, the the people that work there and um, your nine to five Monday to Friday. I was, I was going to say you you didn't join at the right time. <laughs> COVID hit just <laughs> after you started. <laughs> there's been there's been about six uh, CBA negotiations gone through in those three <laughs> years. So plenty on the plate. Marsha's doing a good job, but um, yeah, keen to to get back involved with cricket. Is there much difference between? the issues day-to-day cricketers face and, and footballers face in their lives outside of their sport? A lot of similarities, and I think the one that really sticks out is probably transition. You know, that's that's probably a passion of mine, but something that really stands out in both um, football and cricket is, is I guess, what players do outside of, of the game and once they're finished. So um, they're never-ending struggles, and, and there's enough support um, resources around both cricket and footy now, which is awesome. So ultimately, we just get that horse to the water and hopefully it drinks and and, uh, <laughs> and moves on successfully somewhere. Magnificent. Hey, Rob, thanks for, for dropping in. Uh, look forward to hearing your voice on the coverage. Thanks for having me, Jules. Great to have uh, Rob Quiney in the studio. Steve, Justin, hang on. We'll get to you on the other side. Uh, you're listening to SEN Afternoons. Brickland Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help getting your builders registered. 
registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne Twirl with Dwayne Russell. That can only mean one thing. It's time for Lost in the Wash for Identifiber, your specialist in asbestos and hazardous material assessments. Steve and Justin, we'll get to you very, very shortly. Uh, if you're just catching up on some of the news of the day that we haven't spoken much about, Essendon has filled its two newly created positions. Dan McPherson, who was at Melbourne, then went to North Melbourne, is their new head of performance, and Cam Roberts uh, is the new head of development. So two positions that were identified in the external review have been filled. Still looking for or yet to finalise uh, their new CEO. Uh, the Bombers, uh, just a little bit of uh, news overseas. If you're catching up on Champions League sm- uh, results this morning, Liverpool 2-0 over Napoli. Uh, Spurs scraped through against Marseille with a 2-1 win to top their group and go through to the second stage. And uh, a bit going on in the NBA at the net. Steve Nash gone. Uh, five. They were 2-5. and five. They lost again today uh, to the Chicago Bulls. So I'm sure Andrew Gaze and Andy Marr and, of course, Homicide, who's in on a Wednesday, will have more about that. Tim Payne also, he's got the new book out. Uh, he joined uh, or he spoke to Jared Waitley uh, this morning uh, on Waitley. This is just a little bit of what he had to say about reflecting on his time as Australian captain. Oh, it, I think just the sheer size of it and the sheer scrutiny was what, what blew me away. I always sort of had other captains talk about it and say, oh, it's a big job and everyone tells you about it, but... Um, it is one of those amazing jobs where everyone's just got an opinion on it, and cricket's that kind of sport. I think everyone picks your team for you. Everyone tells you what your batting order should be, yeah. um, whether you should have won the toss and batted and bowled. And it's 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 one of the great things about the job, but it's also one of the hardest things. That um, cricket's just one of those sports where all Australians love it. All Australians have got their opinion on it, and and Australians love telling you their opinions. So. Um, <laughs> Look, I loved, absolutely loved every minute. I feel so privileged to have even got the opportunity. I mean, two, three years before that, I was I was not even going to be playing cricket, um, probably beyond that season. So to then go through what I went through with um, with that and end up being the captain of Australia was just such a bizarre ride, and we sort of touch on that in the book. And, um, yeah, clearly I would have liked it to have gone on and, um, and ended on a happier note. But, um, yeah, I think, if anything, it's... Whilst I didn't want to write the chapter, it's it's probably turned a pretty standard autobiography. It's given it a few more twists and turns than, than some of the others that have been out there, I guess. Yeah, really interesting chat with Jared this morning. If you want to go back, uh, have a listen on the podcast. He spoke about, you know, what he's doing now, returning to cricket, and also, you know, some of the thoughts about how he was treated uh, by Cricket Australia uh, just over 12 months ago. So that was Lost in the Wash for Identifiber, your specialist in asbestos and hazardous material assessments. Uh, Justin and Steve have been hanging on for a while. We appreciate it. Uh, Justin, thanks for joining us. Jules, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Not bad. Hey, this AFL independent investigation that everyone keeps on it, Um. So they've they've set the terms of reference for it, and they've picked people. The agencies have picked the four people, and nothing against the four people they've picked. They're probably eminently qualified. Um, but the AFL don't have a great track record of running very independent investigations. They didn't cover themselves in a lot of glory in the Essendon debacle, and they fined Melbourne five hundred thousand dollars for not tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and they were going to release this on the 22nd of December. I said, I can, I can only think of two better days to release it, and that would be the 24th of December or the 31st of December. Um, yeah. And would you set a timeline? Like, if you and I commit a crime, we don't get to pick the jury. 
we don't, you know. No, I, I, uh, I, I think that's an interesting point, your last point there, Justin. And, and, and what you said earlier, I think that is just reading some of the articles and, and hearing, uh, you know, some of the legal representatives for the First Nations people. Certainly, I guess the history of AFL investigations is a concern for them. But I, I totally agree with what you said about setting a timeline. I don't think you can set a timeline. Like with any investigation, of course, anyone involved wants it wrapped up sooner rather than later. But it just has to take its course. If, if it takes until December 22, January 22, February 22, it just got to get everything on the table and get to the truth and get the right result. Now, it's not ideal, of course, for if you're the Brisbane Lions and you're North Melbourne when you've got your senior coach involved, but that's not the priority. The priority is to get to the truth. So I, I think that's a really good point you make, Justin, about uh, putting an end date on, on an investigation. Now, I think that's just a guide rather than a hard and fast date, but I agree. I think it just has to take as long as um, as it takes. Uh, thanks for your call, Justin. Let's get to Steve in Cremorne. G'day, Steve. Yeah, g'day, Jules. Um, look, just interesting uh, hearing um, just a little bit earlier, just, uh, Tim Payne talking. Uh, look, I'm, I'm talking about the cricket. I, I just think that um, there needs to be a review of some sort into the marketing and management of cricket in Australia. I, I think over the last you know, 10 years, cricket has slowly... Uh, lost its way and is falling behind many other sports. I mean, the the timing of this tournament in Australia in October, um, I think, has been poor. I think the fixturing has been um, abysmal. With um, uh, you know, there was a game in, against Sri Lanka in Western Australia, which was on at ten o'clock at night. Yep. You've got South Africa, India yep. in in Australia at the moment, and the way the um, the, the comp's been structured is, you know, Australia's not playing against those countries. In England last year, there was one group and the teams played each other. Um, I don't know why that wasn't the case here. Um, and then there's just a whole lot of other things, you know, that how Langer was handled. I think the, there's a group of unlikable players in the Australian team at the moment as well. They're not, they're not as popular, I think, as they were in the past. Uh, the crowds aren't going, um, you know, against... Um, uh, Ireland the other night, even the Sri Lanka-Australia game, you know, the, the stadiums went full. I, I just think that there needs to be a, a total review of what's going on. It's interesting call, Steve. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I think it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with the BBL this year. There's no doubt it has been a bit of decline in terms, definitely crowd numbers. And I know COVID's been a factor, and, and, and you've got to take that into account. But in terms of attracting star names. We're going to talk to Tim Wigmore very shortly. Uh, he's a, a journalist for the Daily Telegraph. He's written some really interesting books on cricket, where it's heading, and, and in particular, T20. So I just where T20 is going to be in four or five years' time, domestically in particular and internationally, uh, is going to be uh, really interesting. Spot on about the timing of the tournament. In terms of weather in Australia in spring, you're not going to get a full tournament in. I know that's not Australia's decision. That's an ICC decision. But yeah, I, I sent no doubt late Jan, early Feb, even Feb, early March, uh, you know, would be a far better time. So, Steve, I, I think a lot of people would agree with your uh, sentiments there. And, and, you know, Test Series this year will be interesting. West Indies certainly don't have the glamour of the past. South African Series uh, should be really good. So I think a lot of people would agree with that call, Steve. Uh, thanks for your contribution. Signet Boost Power Bank uh, coming your way. And uh, that was all, of course, on the Werribee Kia Open Line Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, where the customer comes first. Uh, plenty more coming through uh, on the 40 Winks uh, Temper as well. A whole host of 
topics. Earlier in the show, we spoke about uh, at your footy club, you know, players are slowly coming back to training, not officially, but a lot of the younger players are back in doing some work. You see at clubs as well, some of the older players just going down to train, uh, getting uh, ready for the pre-season. So which player at your club do you want to see the fitness boss riding the hardest? A heap of nominations came through earlier in the show, a heap of calls. They're still coming through uh, on the 40 Winks temper. Remember, get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. But one here as a Hawks supporter, I want our fitness guys to get Will Day super fit and firing this year. His body has let him down as he hasn't reached the heights of what Hawks supporters expect him to hit. A-Rod, yes, no, agree. Did you send that in? Tick from A-Rod, who knows the Hawks better than anyone else. Uh, from the Bombers, from CB, Dylan Shield and Andy McGrath, a full preseason. It, I don't think fitness has been a big impact for those two. Uh, Dylan Shield sort of had a couple, his last couple of years have been a bit interrupted. Uh, Andy McGrath, I don't think it's a fitness thing with Andy McGrath. I think it's just finding his best position. So what? What? wonder what Brad Scott thinks there. Does he still think he's a midfielder? I think a lot of people that watch the Bombers closely think he's better as a defender. Uh, and we saw some of his better games in the second half of this year, particularly against the Saints. Uh, he's probably better suited in defense. So I'm interested to see what Brad Scott thinks there. Uh, Mario from Maslin Beach. Orazio Fantasia needs to do some leg weights. I'm sure he does do leg weights. Unfortunately, his body and soft tissue and knee injuries in the last couple of years have let him down. Now, Jack Ginnivan needs to build his frame up. I don't think Jack Ginnivan's ever going to be big. He's a, he's a small, slight player, and don't think you can argue with his form this year. So I, I think it'll put on a bit of weight, but I don't think he's ever going to be a massive man. But very impressive. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw on Twitter his Halloween outfit, but his Jeffrey Dahmer was absolutely outstanding. So uh, some nice work there. Another one here, Aaron Finch explosive. So was Mick Nolan then, said Trotter. Well, Tony Lockett was explosive. Some of the big men over the first four or five metres uh, are pretty explosive. And uh, Aaron Finch uh, must be one of those. Interesting one here from uh, Dom, uh, who's just made an observation. Kane Turner training with the Bombers players in Bali. Now, of course, let go by North Melbourne, which was a surprise to some. Uh, he'd certainly been uh, in leadership groups at North Melbourne in recent times. Was always a Brad Scott favourite, said Dom. Now, there's a couple of Doms that are regular callers and texters. Uh, some of those, one is, a, is, I'm pretty sure, a North Melbourne man. So if that's that Dom, uh, he might be on the money there. So keep your temper texts uh, coming through 0433 We're going to speak to Tim Wigmore after the 2.30 news. So uh, out here covering uh, England in the World Cup. He works for the Daily Telegraph. Written a couple of really interesting books on cricket, and that's what we really want to explore, just his thoughts on where cricket's heading uh, and uh, where T20 is heading uh, in a particular. So we'll speak to Tim uh, after the 2.30 news. This is afternoon for Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile. Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. And Master Builders Association Victoria. Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. The latest from the newsroom. Oh, Rod, very nice. That's better. That's better. Bit of a UB40 uh, there from uh, ooh, early 2000s, maybe uh, late 1990s. But T20 World Cup getting down to the business end. We know there's a double header today. Uh, just one group game left for the Australians. And unfortunately, from an Australian point of view, the English did us no favours last night. Or was it New Zealand uh, doing us no favours in that run chase? So they fell 20 runs short. Uh, great result uh, for England. And one of the... 
journalists uh, over here covering uh, the World Cup from an English point of view is Tim Wigmore. He's also written some really interesting books, not only on cricket, but I think we had him on the run home a couple of years ago uh, talking about one of his books, How Athletes Are Made. He's in the country and he's been good enough to join us today. G'day, Tim. Hi, mate. How's it going? Very well. And uh, th- first of all, thanks for bringing your English weather over for this World Cup. I'll tell you what, it's hard to get uh, many games in. You, you brought your weather over with you. Yeah, I certainly have. I've been going a lot of stick back home. I've been off there for about three weeks and about half, half of the day just being warmer back home than it has been in, in Australia. So, uh, yeah, I feel like you're taking out on false advertising. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, just take us through last night from an England Point of view, that was a, a mighty impressive performance uh, given what we're seeing from New Zealand so far in this World Cup. From an English point of view, what was the most pleasing performance of that? Uh, sorry, the most pleasing aspect of that performance? I'd say probably actually the way England were more flexible. So we saw against Ireland, they were quite rich with their batting uh, order. So we saw Moan Allen, uh, Moan Allen Williams and two of the most distraught players held back to six and seven, and it was obviously didn't work in the rain comes. And yesterday, they're both to three and four, and another had you know, another two-off massively, but it's a very quick, quick 20. I think what was really good to see is being a bit more flexible. We also saw that with the ball, so you'd see Mo and Ali open the bowling, bowling to first, I mean, tournament first over the board is very well. Uh, six different bowls in the first seven overs. So um, from Josh Butler, I think it was, a, it was a really good good performance with, as, as a kind of captain. I've got, of course, he gets, he top scores as well, plays, plays really well. Um, okay, yeah, showing his quality in the he's one of the best players in the world against. Yeah, very, very fast, fast bowling, and we saw him uh, play that ramp from Lockie Ferguson. I could see Marmot out of livery, and he played a short, short, fine leg. Um, yeah, the sort of form between him in, in the IPL. So, yeah, there was a really good performance ring, and it kind of shows their adaptability, which hasn't really been on display so far. Um, and, and I think they're, they're probably the favourites ahead of Australia to, to sneak in out of, uh, alongside the Kiwis into the last four. It's fair to say it's not an overreaction to say the Tour of Australia last year for England was an absolute disaster. There's been a lot of changes since, and we've, you know, a new skipper in, in Ben Stokes. How have you seen the last 12 months in English cricket, uh, you know, at test level and also in, in the shorter forms of the game as well? It's been an odd, odd time because the first time since 2015, England actually been, uh, been better in test cricket than in one-day cricket, which is kind of what it used to be back in, in the old, old days, but actually it's, it's new compared to what the last year, so it's been an interesting Come that sense. I think what, what Brendan McCullum has done as, as new head coach in the test game, he's really taken away a lot of the, the pressure. We tried to kind of bring in a, a freer spirit. So it's always with one test out of 17 and obviously playing pretty grim, attritional cricket. And so it's really about liberating players, empowering them. And the best one of that has been the form of Johnny Bairstow. So he, he's had an incredible run, uh, batting at five, scoring these, these runnable centuries and you know, taking games away from opponents. And it's kind of been a a kind of focus on what players can do rather than what, what they can't and, and a need to, to get more aggressive cricket, which has partly been helped actually because last summer uh, the Duke's ball was not really as much as, as normal so it was actually pretty good to bat so it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work um, in all conditions and then in, in the one day team obviously we've seen the retirement of Morgan who was probably one of the most significant figures in English cricket history really for being the first guy to really take ODIs and T20s really really seriously and, and actually put it did service cricket at the heart of English cricket. Um, so him going was a big a big loss. So Josh Butler initially results weren't weren't great. Um, they then played well in Pakistan and Australia and now you know they're teams on the face of the World Cup and they just had that, that poor game against Ireland. Uh, but I still think overall the T twenty side is in pretty is in decent shape really, whatever happens in the rest of this tournament. 
Speaking of Ting Wimbo, he's over here uh, covering the T20 World Cup for the Daily Telegraph. And uh, Tim, as we mentioned before, you, you've you've been an author of, of several books. Uh, the most recent, Cricketomics: The Anatomy of Modern Cricket. Just want to ask you a couple of questions about it. But before, can you just give a snapshot of of what the book's all about? Yeah, it's kind of a, a free economics for, for cricket, really. So we're working with an academic. Uh, we're sort of trying to ask, ask and answer lots of lots of interesting questions. Um, so we're looking at, at all sorts of things, you know, you know, why and how did run rates of test cricket um, change? Um, why have New Zealand um, kind of punched above their weight so well? And, and in Australia, we're asking questions like, yeah, do Australia do better when there's more New South Wales players in, in the team? <laughs> and actually, we're showing that Australia... Which might provoke some readers, uh, some listeners, and Australia, Australia actually relies almost as much on private schools as England uh, do. Um, so yeah, kind of a free economics for, for cricket, and there should be lots in there for the fans of any aspect of the game. What, what does the, what does the analysis show when it comes to uh, New South Welshmen playing for Australia? So yeah, we all know that they're kind of lying that when they hand you your your New South Wales cap, they get your baggy green ready mm-hmm. as well, and that you're fitted for that as well. Um, but so on average, the Australian team has basically uh, they pick 4.5 players from, from New South Wales. So what we did, we looked at how they do when they have more than that, when they have fewer than that. So when actually they have more than four and a half, so above average number of New South Wales players, the testing performs actually better. And um, when they have fewer than 4.5, the testing performs worse. And this suggests that uh, there's so many New South Wales players because they perform well, and there's actually not selection bias to New South Wales. If there was bias, when there was more players from New South Wales, the team would, would perform worse. The opposite is actually true. So there doesn't seem to be any bar towards New South Wales. But we can find they just seem to produce a lot of good, good cricketers. Yeah, Victorian audience won't be happy with that answer. But if it's a fact, uh, it is a fact. Uh, also in the book, you talk about, you know, T20 cricket, the rise of T20 cricket, the, the rise of women's cricket. We've been talking about it for a while. Just where is T20 from a domestic standpoint uh, heading uh, the show that's on after me, the run home, uh, Andrew Gaze and Andy Maher have spoken about it a bit. You know, the BBL in recent years just chugging along, probably not as strong as it was. And have you got an idea where it's going to be in terms of, you know, franchises and, and domestic T20 cricket in, say, four or five years' time? So one of the things we talk about in the book is if, you, if you're going to zoom out and look at cricket, how it compares to other sports, Cricket is actually very, very unusual, you know, in how much it's relied on international cricket and how much domestic cricket has really been kind of a nursery for the international game rather than the kind of main event in its own right. And we, we see very much cricket as on a path to being a bit like probably you see like in, in soccer where you have these international tournaments which are really, really big, probably the biggest thing in the sport, but the kind of the day-to-day, the beating heart is, is more in the, the club game. And we see cricket very much as being on that journey. So in terms of you know, the IPL is expanding, it's going to expand even more in, in, in the future. Um, we've obviously seen 100 in England and the big bash has, has had its, its difficulties. And we're going to see next January, there's going to be the big bash will compete with a new league in UAE and a new league in South Africa as well. So that's, kind of shows the direction of travel. And the question for uh, international cricket is is almost, can it get its own window? Rather, yeah, people used to talk about uh, windows for franchise cricket. Maybe it's actually the way around, these windows for international cricket. And it's also, you know, how can you get everything to pay for itself? So, I mean, West Indies, a few years ago, they had a home summer where they uh, hosted only Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and they lost 20 million US dollars from that summer. So, international cricket, for many countries, just is not paying the bills. Yeah, it's interesting where it is at. Just finally, before I let you go, can you 
can you see a time where some of these big, you know, these big powerful IPL franchises just buy franchises around the world and therefore you sign Aaron Finch and he plays in the IPL for that team and then they've got the Melbourne Stars, for example, as part of their franchise. He plays for them and then there might be other T20 leagues around the world that they've got teams with as well. Do you, is it sort of heading that way? Yeah, so I talked to Venky Mysore, who's the chief executive of Cookotten Night Riders in the IPL, and they've got teams around the world. And he said, you know, we would love to have these 12-month-year contracts where we basically kind of own the players and then we might release them sometimes into national cricket. That, that's travel. We saw the retirement of Trent Bolt. Well, so Trent Bolt recently left his New Zealand central contract to basically become freelance. And yeah. actually he'll be able to play. Um, he plays for the Royals, Redstone Royals, and he plays for their kind of sister teams to be able to play for them kind of all, all year round. So that's, it does seem to be heading in, in that way. Um, and so we're seeing those owners become more and more powerful. Um, so international boards need to find a way to kind of keep their players on side. I think getting the, the schedule, kind of reducing it, but also making it a bit more coherent is, is part of the answer to doing that. But actually, for all that, you know, players, you ask them what tournaments they most want to win. The two, they most want to win. Um, they're bringing them, like, in Australia, the Ashes will be up there. But for other countries who don't have that, it will be the World Cup, the ODI cricket and T20 cricket. So, Australia has its challenges, but those world events are still really, really huge. Right? They get, they're getting bigger and bigger. Well, Tim, uh, great to chat. Uh, let's hope the weather does us all a favour in the rest of the tournament. We can have a great finish. It's hard to pick a winner right now. The Kiwis have been strong. England have been strong. Uh, India's doing some good things. And hopefully, from an Australian point of view, they can uh, sneak into the semifinals. Uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. And uh, thanks for your time this afternoon. Cheers, mate. I did South Africa at the start of the tournament, and I'm, I'm sticking with them. No, they're looking good. They're looking good as well. Uh, Tim Wigmore joining us, uh, Daily Telegraph uh, cricket writer. Also got the book out, Cricketonomics and Anatomy of Modern Cricket. Let's get another breakaway here on Afternoons for Kogan Mobile, Brick Lane Brewing and Master Builders Association of Victoria. Where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. help getting your builder's registration, call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Run home, boys, not too far away. Andy Ma and the accurate one, as he's now calling himself Andrew Gaze, after tipping the Melbourne Cup winner, forgetting he tipped the Melbourne Cup winner, and then after the Melbourne Cup yesterday, texting the WhatsApp group, reminding everyone he tipped the Melbourne Cup winner. So you got no idea, let's be honest. Uh, he can talk about that. Uh, after 3 o'clock, bringing some audio from George Bailey uh, in a second. Just a few more off the 40 winks uh, temper. A whole range of topics here. We've been talking about which players at your footy club need a big summer, need the fitness coach riding them hard. Hey, Julio for Essendon, definitely Stringer and Nick Cox. Nick Cox, I agree. First of all, they need to work out what's his best position. And then they need to get him uh, super fit. Unfortunately, I uh, just didn't get going last year uh, due to injury, in particular a uh, foot injury, which uh, sort of ended his season from about round seven uh, onwards. Another one here is a North Melbourne member. I want to see Will Phillips get back after a year of glandular fever. I think a lot of North Melbourne supporters would agree with that. Uh, come on, the cricket. Cricket Australia doesn't run or organise the World Cup, which we did say. The game against Sri Lanka was in Perth. Not much you can do about the time zone. The world doesn't revolve around the east coast of Australia. BBL schedule is so frustrating. Another one here. Apparently it is aimed at 6 to 12-year-olds, but games start at 7.30pm. Finish close to 11. Too late to take my 8-year-old and 5-year-old. Yes, the West Indies and South Africa are touring this season. They may not be the strongest nations currently, but that is not Australia's fault. 
it's an international sport. You still have to play them. That is true. Nick Caulfield at the Saints uh, is another one coming off the knee reconstruction. But as we've sort of been saying uh, throughout the show, George Bailey, uh, one of the selectors for the Australian team, uh, addressed the media a, a bit earlier. Fitness concerns over Aaron Finch uh, with his hamstring and also uh, Tim David. Uh, here is George Bailey speaking just about this process and how late they will leave it ahead of the Aussies next game. Uh, there's a bit going on in this game, isn't there now, with, with last night's results. So we'll obviously um, we'll work through a few scenarios today around net run rate and what that looks like. Um, clearly, New Zealand and Ireland play before. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today. Switch to Koga Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Help getting your builder's registration. Call Master Builders Victoria today to discuss our member support program. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Just about ready to hand over to the boys on the run home, Andy Ma and Andrew Gay. Spoiler alert, uh, if you're an MLB fan, Game 3 of the World Series is all over. Comprehensive win for the Phillies. 7-zip uh, over the Astros, so they take a 2-1 series lead. Just a reminder, doubleheader in the T20 World Cup, uh, just about to start uh, Game 1. So uh, at 3 o'clock, and of course, you can catch all the action on the SEN app. Uh, Rob Quiney, who joined us out of 2, uh, is part of the coverage. It's Zimbabwe versus the Netherlands. Zimbabwe won the toss and have chosen to bat. And then tonight, it's India-Bangladesh. Then we get right into the business end tomorrow. Pakistan versus South Africa. And then on Friday, Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, Afghanistan. Australia hopefully win, win big, and then they have to sit around and wait for the game on Saturday uh, between Sri Lanka and England to determine their fate. Uh, thanks for your company this afternoon on the afternoon. It's been a big show. We've spoken plenty of footy. Ed Woolley from Channel 9 about Alistair Clarkson's uh, return or first day on the job at North Melbourne. Uh, Western Bulldog AFLW Premiership player Bailey Hunt, head of the AFLW Finals. Delisted Swan Sam Naismith. Plenty of cricket with English journalist Tim Wigmore and Rob Quiney. And also plenty of football, the world game in the first hour. We spoke uh, to Daniel Garb. Uh, so... Big day tomorrow, Oaks Day, of course, and uh, coming up on the run home, the accurate one, Andrew Gaze, will tell us all about the logic and all about the form that he did that went into selecting Gold Trip uh, to win the Melbourne Cup yesterday. The hours and hours and hours he poured into his research. Phenomenal stuff uh, from our Andrew Gaze. Corey Homicide-Williams will be in the studio. A bit to talk about that. NBL is so hard to pick a winner right now. NBA, all things going on with the Nets. They sack Steve Nash. What does it mean for Ben Simmons? What does it mean for Paddy Mills? The boys will talk about that, but just stay tuned. If you want a tip for Oversay, Andrew, the accurate one gaze, is the man for the job. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.